Hey friends, welcome back to the Above Board Podcast. Today you've got myself, John Kennedy, and I am joined by a friend and team member of Canterpath, Miss Raina Fitzgerald. Today, today's conversation is going to be covering a lot of ground. We're talking about the joys of virtual working, finding that proper work-life balance, and so much more. Raina is an Enneagram Type 2 Wing 3, which I had to look this up, but that AKA means she is the helper and the hostess. She's married to her high school sweetheart, Patrick Fitzgerald. And now you can usually find her with a coffee in hand, enjoying good food or exploring new places. Uh, a lover of people, Raina has spent the last several years dedicating her time to leading and pouring into the lives of high school students as a Polk County Young Life leader. Raina, aka lover of people, welcome to Above Board. Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful yeah. to be here. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you on the show today. And I think maybe I want to start with lover of people. Can we talk about this? Is that a was that a self-defined term or did someone coin you with that a long time ago and it stuck? Oh man. I think more self-defined. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I do love people in, you know, the capacity of I love learning people's stories. I love hearing what people have to say, um, their opinions and everything. So I guess maybe more self-defined. I don't know if anybody's ever told me that. They have. It's subconscious. Well, I think I, I certainly, as I've gotten to know you over the last year, I mean, I would, I would say that you're a natural born extrovert, which I, I'm, I'm certain you would agree with that. And what's, what's cool about that is within our industry, I think that that's, that that's a good characteristic. And, and what's, you know, I would define myself as an introvert who knows how to turn on being an extrovert or like understands the value of that. And when, when to do that, I, I definitely recognize you're an extrovert. So I'd like to talk about your journey into the industry first. Can we, do you mind sharing with the audience a little bit of backstory, how you got into, into this industry? Yeah, for sure. It was kind of more by like happenstance and I'm kind of glad that it happened the way that it did. You know, I've been in plenty of jobs, anything from Chick-fil-A to, you know, whatever, but um, I was working at One More Child, which is a nonprofit here in Lakeland, um, mm -hmm. very close to my heart. I was part-time with them there doing, you know, mission stuff. It was in the global department. And unfortunately, COVID happened, um, as we all know, and global wasn't really global anymore. And we, you know, had to scale back and I was doing a lot of helping in other areas. And also that year I was getting married and I got a house. So, you know, you life a lot was, going on, a lot going on in 2020, yeah, Life was just like progressing really fast and especially in the financial area. And so, you know, I had to put on my big girl pants and say, all right, it's time to find a career. It's time to find a full time. And um, I tried that, you know, with a nonprofit, but, you know, it's just where, not where I was meant to be. And I found a financial firm in Lakeland and I learned so much in the year that I was there and really honestly loved the work and, when I left there, it was because of a friend um, that I know that we all may know here, Michael Scott. <laughs> uh, and Thank you, so Michael, Michael Scott. And I, yep, Michael Shout and I out. worked together and he was like, there's a great 
great opportunity here. And I was like, I'm taking it. Like, I love this job and I love what Canterpath had to offer. And so it just happened. And now I'm in the financial industry and I love it. One of the things that we talked about in the pre-call was life of, of someone who works virtually or remotely. And it's kind of cool because we have great systems, right? So I don't think if someone called the office, they wouldn't necessarily know whether you're physically in the office or not. A lot of times we do get together throughout the month and, and you know, have um, team sessions or, or we are actually in the office. But talk to me about, I mean, because this changed life for everyone during COVID times where we all went to virtual remote work. For yeah. us, it stuck. We we kept it. We were pivoting that way a little bit before it even happened, just because selfishly I liked working in my pajama bottoms and wearing a polo uh, for a Zoom meeting, and no one could know how comfortable I was. Yeah. But how how has that been for you going from you know the first year in that profession in the financial field professional setting uh, of a nine to five being in an office, and then the transition of working remotely? Yeah. Let's see. So I, so I was like going into my first financial industry job, my last job, like right when COVID was like, it was still peak, but it was starting to settle down. So like people were getting back into the office, but I remember, I remember I hated going, like hating going to the office. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, I was going to suck it up because I knew like, okay, like that's just life. Like you show up, you get at your desk and you turn on your computer and I was going to be fine with that maybe. But then obviously because of COVID, we started hearing about remote. We started hearing about hybrid and all these different things. And when Canderpath obviously was like, pretty much fully remote. I was like, wow, I didn't even know that was possible in the financial right. industry, but I was like, sign me up. And being remote has honestly like changed so much my life. Like I know that sounds crazy, but it has been a game changer for me not waking up and going directly to, I mean, I go to my desk at home, like I'm here, but mm -hmm. driving somewhere, turning it on, being told you have to turn on your computer by a certain time. It's just game changer. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, it, uh, in my former life uh, before Canterpath, it was a similar experience. I, I can remember a day where it just happened on more than one occasion where I'd walk in, let's say late. And there was always like legitimate reasons. I was coming from a, a rotary club event or I was coming from something or doctor's appointment, whatever. And I can remember, you know, one person in the office saying, Oh, must be nice. And I thought, whoa, I mean, we're challenging my, like, I know my work ethic. I know I'm working hard and I felt, and this is before, I would say this was like 20, ooh, 13, 14, 15 time. And this was, I mean, it was normal nine to five. That's what you did. That was, there was not like this talk of like remote work, virtual work, few people that I knew did it very few. Mm -hmm. And so you know, the hopelessness I think that I had at that point in my career of like, I guess this is the next several decades of my life of people judging me because I'm coming in 15 minutes late. Yeah. But again, there again, I know my work ethic and I know that I, I maybe do work at unconventional times. So I like to get up really, really early. I don't want to miss the morning with my kids and like the school routine, but I'll get up before they're up, work a little bit, hang with them, take them to school or whatever, and then go back to work. And I just think that that flexibility is is really cool. And maybe it's not for everyone. 
But for folks that are highly accountable, I think remote work is is incredible. But again, I want to go back to something I said where I'm a self-defined introvert who understands and knows when to kind of play the role of an extrovert. You're like a thoroughbred extrovert, right? Yeah. And and how how would you like what would you say to the audience that's listening to this as we're talking about virtual work? Like what are some ways that you maybe cope with because I would imagine there's a downside to virtual work for you too, in that you like being around people, you like talking with people. Can you speak to that a little bit or what are some things that you do as an extrovert that works virtually? Yeah. So I would say, first off, again, I'm really lucky. I get to pick up my work and take it wherever I please, you know, as right. long as there's secure Wi-Fi, like I'm good. So for somebody that can't just pick up and go, I can see that being very difficult. I have a friend that he is not able to just go anywhere with his remote work. So he calls me throughout the week and just needs somebody to talk to. And I get that, you know, as an extrovert, he's an extrovert as well. Um, so he, so can't, he like, physically can't leave his desk? Is no. That, okay. He has to have gotcha. the monitor. So if he wanted to move, he'd have to pick up the thing that comes with it. You know, I don't forget what that's called. Wow. But yeah, so... I know kind of in the same way, if, if I can't just pick up and go, I'll call my team. You know, I talk to you guys quite often. I might bug you a little bit if I'm like, hey, you want to talk? You want to talk for 30 minutes and just like get things off our chest and you know, coffee talk really? And uh, if I'm not doing that, you know, I may step out, talk to Patrick, take a second. But again, I'm really lucky. So my point of view is if I can take my work somewhere, I am the nomad of the group. I am, you know, Matt asks every time, where are you at today? You know, I'm at, <laughs> pressed, I'm at pressed coffee the nomad shops of the group. working there. Um, working from Concord. I'm working from all the coffee shops in Lakeland. I'll go to Winter Garden and see Megan and work from a coffee shop with her. So I feel like that kind of like feeds my extrovertism. Is that a word? Yeah a little yes, bit. Yes, we'll and say yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think just like staying in contact with people really helps like a text, a call, going and co-working with somebody and all that kind of stuff if I can. So that helps me. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I One of the things that I've started to do recently um, as it relates to this whole like virtual working atmosphere, because it has been an adjustment. I think, you know, just a few years ago when it was just Matt and I, that was like him and I were calling each other all day. You know, we do these like Google chats and pop into each other's screens. And, and we kind of viewed it as like the office pop in. Like if we were working together, like we just knock on the door and be like, hey, got a second? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, something that I've been practicing recently, which I find, find to have been helpful is this office hours thing, like for the team internally, where I like block this hour. It's like, actually, it's not even an hour. I think it's 45 minutes. And mm -hmm. um, sometimes no one joins. Sometimes it's been, sometimes it's been kind of like a party, like, like more than like, I think there was one time, I think it was maybe you and Michael, Yep. Matt, Matt pops in sometimes just, just to say, Hey, but it's cool because it's like this intentional window of time where I'm available. If someone's got questions if we need to work through something. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess you, you kind of have to come up with strategies like that if you're working virtually and, and remotely. And I think I would say for me, even though I'm an introvert, I do still, so what I learned about like introverts versus extroverts is that it is more to do with where you derive your energy from. 
And so I, I drive my energy usually from being alone, <laughs> like, I like being alone and, and, and other people, like I think you, and I've got, I've got one friend in, that I can, I'm, I can think of specifically where he's like, I don't know what I'd do with myself. If I was like, I want to be around people 24 seven all the time. Like it gives me energy. It lifts me up. Yeah. But I think, yeah, go ahead. What are you I saying? feel like I fall like kind of. Like if this is the scale and this is introvert, this is extrovert, I'm in the middle of the middle. So like, I'm not like completely extroverted and I'm definitely yeah. not introverted, but like, I have a friend like that too. And I just can't be around people. I, I don't know. It's honestly changed in the past year, like finding solitude and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like completely extroverted is definitely not me. Like I think my friends would say, you know, sometimes you say no to like hanging out with me. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I do enjoy being by myself, but where I get my energy is from being with people talking about their day, inquiring all that kind of stuff. And I get to do that with clients too. So yeah. that's where my energy comes from as well. But I, I would almost, what's interesting is like, instead of defining it as like complete remote or virtual work, whereas like, that's like your, the friend that you described earlier, that person falls in that camp. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think we're probably, it probably is more of a hybrid model. Cause like, I'll use myself again as an example, or Matt, even I would say a couple times a week, we are physically in the office. I'm going to see you on in a couple of days. By the time this records, like we're going to be in the office together. And what's interesting about that is that like, it scratches the itch of like being around people. And it's, it's that hybrid is, is kind of nice to be able to have the best of both worlds. And it seems like a lot of companies are going to that more in like a forced way though. Like they're calling people back. Like you have to work here, you know, at the office two days a week. We didn't do that, but it's more like driven by demand. Like if there's client meetings in the office, obviously we're going to be there. But even that's been an interesting revelation since COVID. Like most, like a lot of clients prefer to use Zoom or to do phone chats because it's just more convenient for them too. So I think we're all kind of learning what this like virtual world looks like. How have you, how do you feel like I want to shift the conversation a little bit to work-life mix, work-life balance. How do you feel that that's impacted work-life balance? Um, what are some things you do to focus on that area of life? Or not yeah. area of life, but placing that as an important part of what you do. Yeah. I feel like this is kind of like an I Love Candor Path podcast. I didn't mean for it to be that. But disclaimer, that was not the purpose of this. No, I, We'll talk about all the bad things in a second. <laughs> no, but I, I really am so grateful because like my work, I feel like used to really not, not, not be good, but like, just didn't give me energy. Like I just remember like, not, I was a different person for sure. Doing the normal, like eight to five, whatever. And now that I'm with Canterpath, I get perks like this, you know, remote work-life balance, all that such. And that's just a toast to you guys because you focus on that kind of culture. And I appreciate that a lot. With that being said, uh, work-life balance, man, I feel like, you know, to bring up your point about work ethic, like we're all really hard workers and when we're in it, we're in it. With that being said, there has to be a balance because if we weren't, I think we would really lose ourselves because we're so hardworking people. So I do a lot outside of work. I host a book club. I 
am a young life leader. So I dedicate some time to that. I love spending time with Patrick and my friends and my community. So all that comes with like the life balance of it, right? Something specifically I did recently to like, I feel like that says a lot about work-life balance was I just came back from a trip in North Carolina and it was supposed to be like a, or it was a solitude like retreat, but I worked while I was there and I didn't Mm -hmm. pressure myself to like work hard, but I stayed up to date with everything that was going on, did the things that needed to be done. And when I wasn't doing that, I was taking a bubble bath and reading my book. So Mm -hmm. like, I feel like if that's not mastery of work-life balance, I don't know what is, but that's not all the time. But I feel like Canderpath has allowed me to be able to be like, okay, I have the priorities that I need to get done, but once they're done and I feel accomplished, I can step away from that and I can pursue, you know, my normal life and I can do the things that I love to do and still have both. I think it's achievable. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to brag back to you in a second about you, but, uh, Uh, what I want to say about the work-life balance thing is so I do feel that that is a bit of a double-edged sword because like how you described it is on the positive side of, Hey, I was able to take this trip. You know, I took time off. I, I I unplugged the, at least this is what I heard. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but I unplugged the way I wanted to, but I was still available and I still did some work things. And that was important, you know, because, because that work was, you needed to get that work done obviously. and, And that was good. But I think, that feeling is great. I think where it can be dangerous, like the double-edged sword of the virtual remote life work is that you're like always plugged in. Like you could always theoretically be connected, whether it's, I mean, I caught myself doing this yesterday. I took the kids to McDonald's after school for a happy meal. Don't judge me audience members, by the way, for me. I love, I still love a happy meal. It makes like life so happy. And they're hanging out. They're playing with their toy that they got. And I'm on my phone checking emails. I'm like, what am I? I caught myself in the moment. I'm like, why do I feel so called to do this? Like, and whatever it is, like how by a lot, like chemically the dopamine hit that happens when you check your phone and you get a, like, there's clearly a reason you get called to that. But I think it's really important to be hyper-focused on putting those boundaries around it too. Because the virtual remote stuff is, is, 100% 100% a double-edged sword. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I think I'm so grateful that we have a team that always reminds us of that too, because I'm you're a morning get work done kind of person. I'm a night get work done kind of person. So like, sometimes I feel like my brain wasn't even working in the morning and I'm like, now I need to go into the night and I need to finish what needs to get done and it's eight o'clock and I'm like, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that because now I got to wake up in the morning and do it again. And that's where like the balance comes in. You know, Megan, she will give me a reality check and be like, if you were till eight last night, don't feel rushed to get right on your computer in the morning. Like take your time. Like you obviously got done what you needed to get done. So give yourself some grace. And I'm like, okay, girl. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And I, and I will say like, so yes, I'm a morning uh, person. Part of the reason that I like doing that though is because just finding some stretch of time, even if it's just an hour, but a stretch of time that I know 
will be uninterrupted from the distraction of like the stuff that happens during the day. And not that it's a bad distraction, but like client phone calls happen, things come up, work needs to get done. And if I'm like trying to work on a, on a project or, or some action item from a meeting, like that, like I have to find the time for that to get done. And then I, I do take that from, from elsewhere, meaning uh, like I, I really find joy in being able to pick up my kids and I don't, I don't get to do it every day, but the days that I do it, I, uh, except for yesterday when I checked my phone at McDonald's, but I try to unplug, even in that, like that 45 minute window of like pickup, I try to be there and unplug. And so that it, it is, it is, it, it's different to find that balance versus like punching in like from nine to five. Mm-hmm. And when you punch out, you know, you're out. Whereas like in your case, like the example you gave, like there's work that, probably you knew you had to get done, but also like, I'm going to guess like sometimes it's like the fun, fun ish stuff where like, I want to give it like this dedicated time. That's at least how I am yeah. too. like, you know, the work that you do at night. Uh, and the other thing I would mention that this is where the, the bragging component comes in on you is that I think part of our atmosphere of being able to have that kind of flexibility is, is a testament to, to you and everybody else on the team. But like in the context of this conversation, like, that's part of the way we can be because we have that trust in you because you're so accountable and, uh, and honest, like, you know, it, that, that's part of it too. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that the virtual work is, is necessarily for everyone. Um, but when you have someone that has a high degree of accountability, it makes everything so much easier. So that's kind of like a, a brag on you. And I'm kind of curious cause I've noticed like, as I've gotten to know you over the last year, uh, we just celebrated like a month ago your one year anniversary. It's crazy. Don't bite quick. <laughs> but a lot of you have a lot of these uh, like leadership traits and characteristics that I don't think come like you don't typically see that for. I don't know. You just don't typically see that for someone that's that's. Can we say what generation you are in? Yeah, okay? I think I'm a zennial. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I'm, I'm a millennial and we, like we joke on the show because Rich, uh, Matt and myself are all in different generations. And so like we share these like similarities across this like generational spectrum, but mm-hmm. then we have these like massive differences. And as a millennial, I always get a hard time about my generation specifically of like, you guys are lazy, you guys are whatever. And so it's, I was kind of like more identifying with this, like this, that, that type of conversation where clearly that's not the case. We're not all built that way. We, in every generation, there are people that work really hard and there are people that don't work hard and there are people all over the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But what I think is unique about you is these leadership traits and characteristics that you have at a younger age. Like, I think that that's, that's a learned skill, I suppose. So it's kind of like this weird question of like, is that a learned skill? Did you learn that over time? Like just speak to that a little bit. And maybe, maybe part two to this is what would you share to the younger audience, or maybe even the older audience that's looking to lean into leadership and some of those characteristics? Good question. Full question. Yeah. We didn't plan this on the pre-call. My bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that I think I well, for one, I th- it always starts somewhere, you know, it always starts with your family. Um, and I think I've been put in roles before with my family where maybe I'm not the leader, like that's not my point. But, you know, I think my parents really pushed me 
that they're like, you, you are great and you need to like know that you're great. And so that kind of like, I feel like kind of pushes you in a leadership point of like, well, you know, if I have good things and good morals and all that kind of stuff, like, why would you not like want to share that? I think, you know, what's funny about your question though, is I feel like I've, other than being like a Polk County Young Life leader, I don't think I've ever been in like a leadership position like where you would call me a leader because even like with my work, I've always been an assistant or, you know, whatever that falls into. So it's kind of funny. But with that being said, I feel like I've am like in my heart, like I am always kind of prepared to step into a leadership position because of the people that I've been mentored like by. So Mm -hmm. that is like, my number one thing is I have, you know, a few different people in my life and I've been told the advice before you should have some, like a mentor, like closer in age to you, like maybe like a couple years out that like kind of knows your situation. You should have someone like maybe 15 years out, 20 years out. And then Mm -hmm. you should have a mentor that's like, you know, in their old age and, you know, far enough out that big generation gap. Mm -hmm. And I think I like subconsciously like took that very seriously. And so I have those people in my life that are like always feeding into me and giving me, you know, the wise words and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, go to them if I need anything or whatever. And I think that those people have prepared me to be in whatever leadership position that may come or you know whatever comes up but yeah I I don't even know like I feel like I just have to give an ode to my to my mentors for that one not even myself so are you have you found that you're mentoring anybody yet or have you in the past because I because and the reason I asked that question is because you know you you said you you heard somewhere along the way to have these different mentors at different phases of life and I, I would say the follow-up to that is yes, and practicing being a mentor to someone else as well, because like we're we're not perfect, but I also think like there's, uh, you've, you've probably heard me say this stuff before, but like sometimes I'll say something to you, I'm like, I'm saying this out loud to you, but I'm, I'm also just saying this for me as well yeah. to like hear myself say it. So I take my own advice yeah. and I've found that I was never, I was never in a mentorship situation ever, like up until maybe the last handful of years. And, and so I have found like leaning into leadership a little bit, like being a mentor is, is kind of a next fun evolution to not only having mentors, you should never not have mentors. Like you never graduate to not having them, but then at some point also being someone else's mentor. So I'm curious. I do. I do think, I don't know if my young life girls would say this about me, but I feel like that is a mentorship kind of relationship. Yeah. You know, they're anywhere from 15 to 18 years old. And even the girls that I'm like walking with right now, I feel like they may not ask for things and I'm not going to give advice if it's not asked, but I do feel like just being and walking with somebody and knowing their story is so important so that if they feel 
open one day to being like, Raina, can you tell me more about this thing? Like we already have that trust and they know that I care so that we can like step into that conversation. So like Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen a lot with high school girls. Mm -hmm. You know, there are times and places to like be vulnerable or ask questions, but I think it's more so setting up the space for that. And there has been times and we have, you know, I have given advice and been a mentor, but yeah, I think it's right now I'm like in the space of like getting ready for that. (laughs) Well, I would say as a, as a mentor in training as well. Um, cause I feel like I'm, I'm learning a lot too. I think that I, I would identify with what you said. Like part of learning to be a mentor is sometimes like you're just available. Like it's not even, you know, giving un. no one, wa- no one ever wants unsolicited advice. It's usually never received well. Yeah. But if you put yourself in a position of trust with somebody so that, eventually they come to you and they say, Hey, I'm dealing with this situation. Like I need to talk through it. I, I think that that's, you know, again, I'm, this is me saying this out loud for my own sake. Um, but as a, as a fellow mentor in training and what I also think is kind of cool is, is hearing you give, um, some kudos to your parents as far as, as far as like, whether they put you in situations like leadership situations or, um, through positive self-talk encouragement and conversation. I mean, I, I I'm doing that now with my kids and I do this thing. I stole this from some, another person that I listen to a lot on podcasts. His name's Ed Milet, but he does this thing where he's like, let me tell you about you. And I've been doing that with my daughter lately of, you know, and then talking about her leadership characteristics and like giving her examples. Cause you know, learning when you're five and six years old, what a leader is like, I don't, that's, that's, that's kind of interesting, you know, and yeah. then trying to explain that in a way that a five or six year old will understand. And I'll say like, Hey, well, in this situation, when you did this, this, and that, that's like, that's the characteristic of a leader. Like you were a good leader today, you know, and then I'll write her like a note in her lunchbox and like reminder of the thing that she did and you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. So it sounds like your parents did a lot of similar things as far as encouraging and like flaming that fire of leadership. Yeah. And maybe it was just because I was what my siblings would call the princess. But I do feel like... <laughs> wait, we need to unpack that. We can, no, wait, wait, wait. But I do feel like you bringing up Ella, I think is important because the difference when you're a kid is like, are you being yourself or are you falling into what other kids or other people want you to do? And I think that's the biggest thing. And I think that's where my parents were very supportive was I was always me and they always and I think that that eventually makes you a good leader because everybody just wants to be themselves and if you can be authentic through your life that is going to reflect into being a good leader one day at least what I think but I just think that that's the difference the leader or follower type of thing and so when you're a kid it's like are you being like other kids are you falling into the things of other kids and I just remembered as you were saying that, that when I was like, especially in high school, middle school, I was always just Raina. And I think other kids would say that too. And I was unapologetically me. (laughs) And that's, that's fine with me. Like, you know, that's what made me who I am today. So we need to have your parents on the podcast next, because now I have questions about 
how far back, like, so you just, what's interesting is you said like from middle school through high school, like I was always just me. It was just Raina being Raina, but certainly even further back than that, like there were things that happened where, cause like at a young age, again, I'm, I'm relating life back to like through the eyes of my kids now, mm-hmm. they, they replicate, like they do what they see. They like, you know, they, they imitate what they see. Mm-hmm. And we have these conversations with our daughter all the time. Like, you have your own voice, use, use your voice, your voice is powerful, like, and you don't have to always like do what everybody else is doing, that type of thing. And I see that she's getting it, like she's getting that conversation. And it's really hard, you know, to find a way to explain that and make that land. But I, I don't know, this is encouraging for me, because I feel like we're at least doing some things right. I'm messing up a lot as a parent. But this is something that I'm, I care very deeply about. And, and again, your parents did, did an awesome job because clearly that's, but can we go back to, so how many siblings do you have? I have two. You have two siblings? Okay. Yeah. I have my brother Dallas and my sister Kaylee. So do we we want to address the princess thing? I mean, I'm, I have so many questions. I mean, there's not really much else to say. So me and my siblings are different age gaps. So how I explain it is we were in different eras of my parents. So like, you know, my parents' names, by the way, are Ronnie and Adrian, and I feel like, you know, shout out to them. And, but I feel like, you know, and we won't go into the depths of it, but we all had different versions of my parents and my parents have always been good people. Everybody, you know, has different parenting styles and, you know, not, no family is perfect, period. You know, we all have our own faults and I'm not a parent, so I can't even try to begin to relate. But in my era, I was the youngest and I was also, you know, not the only girl, but my sister at this point, when I was born, she was 12 years old. So like Mm -hmm. we were really far in age, but yeah, I, I, I really can't help it. I I just got the title <laughs> without even asking, so <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> I I don't know that we've specifically talked about this before. Um, maybe we have, but we share that in common a little bit. So <laughs> shout out to my sister, but she's eight years older, mm-hmm. and and when there's an age gap like that, like you can't help but like that's in my case, like in my family, it's like. Little Johnny was the baby. Like I was, I was the baby. And then like, as I got older, it's like, can't Johnny can't do anything wrong. Like Johnny, Johnny doesn't do anything wrong. And and so I, uh, I'm glad we talked about that because I very much identify with that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that about you. I've learned, I've learned something today. Yeah. Well, Raina, I want to thank you for sharing your story, uh, being comfortable to come on today and just talk through some of this stuff. Uh, Like I, like I said, I've learned a lot about you today, which I think is cool. But I also think this conversation was uh, very inspiring on so many levels. And selfishly, I, I I took a lot out of it, which is cool. But before we let you go, what is maybe just one parting words of wisdom or a parting thought that you'd like to leave our audience today? I got two things, one serious and one not so serious. Fun. Okay. So when we were talking a little bit earlier about your mentors and being a leader and all of that, you know, I'm, I'm 22 years old, so I can't say that I'm wise, but something that I've always been told is of course, to be authentic, 
to be your raw version of yourself. And that will get you a lot farther than you think. And two, if you want to step in a role where you're there for somebody else, the biggest thing you can do is listen. Like, hands down, nobody wants to be told something like you said, unsolicited advice or whatever. People just want to be heard, seen, and listened to. That's mm-hmm. my one thing. And then my other thing is you brought up earlier that I'm a fan of coffee, which I am. So word of advice, if you're ever traveling, make sure you stop at a local coffee shop or a local place. Support those local people, okay? They need it. You know, I'm a Lakelander out here and we support small businesses. So Make sure you're supporting local businesses and small businesses and whatever. That's You'd my. You'd be so mad at me for the love affair I have with Starbucks, and I. But I promise to heed this advice, and I will support a small coffee shop instead. And yeah. the other thing I want to say is, I think that's what. So the listening, so having the the understanding and awareness that the listening component is so. Like I think that's what makes you very, such a great fit in this industry. And such a valuable asset to the team at Canterpath because if I can be honest with you, that's not that is a that was a learned skill for me. <clears throat> it took a lot of years because when I you know went to school to to for a finance degree and I studied and got my series seven or like even my CFP, it was like, I have this knowledge. Let me tell you what I know. And and what I learned was always, always, like this was without exception. The most effective meetings that I had with folks and the ones where I connected and identified the most with them was when I spoke less and they, and I listened more. And, and, and I can even remember there was a time in my career where I, where I would almost audit it. Like, was it 50, 50, was it 60, 40? And every time without question, the conversations where I listened more and I just absorbed. And then I just kept asking questions and getting more in depth and more details. Like that's, that's part of the craft of of our industry and financial services and financial planning that I think, you know, when you learn all this stuff, like, I just want to talk about it. I want to tell everybody what I know. And so I just want to speak to what you said there about the listening thing. And I think that's that's what makes you such a valuable asset to understand that because that took me, I don't, I don't know, I, I would argue that I'm still figuring that out. So we all are. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Raina, again, thank you so much for joining us on above board with Canter Path. And as always, thank you, uh, the listeners, for joining us on the show. We love these conversations and we love our listeners. So if you'd like more bite-sized chunks of these types of topics, head over to canterpath365.com. That's canterpath365.com, where you can listen to one-minute market clips, updates uh, of, of this show specifically on your Amazon Alexa. So we hope you make it a great day and we will see you next week. Bye, guys.